The Retro Lounge is a look back into the archives of the Recruiters Lounge podcast with Jim Stroud and Karen Matinen. The Recruiters Lounge podcast posted weekly between the years of 2005 and 2010. With energy, wit, and opposite points of view, <laughs> Jim Stroud and Karen Madden discussed, debated, and squabbled like children over HR issues that affected the workplace and society overall for the benefit of all who would listen. This episode of the Recruiter's Lounge originally aired uh, January 26, 2007. The original title was podcast. Let's talk about the D word. And this is the original description. Jim Stroud and Karen Matnan discussed the social politics of diversity and the significance of diversity recruiting in this day and age. <laughs> Still relevant today. I'm looking at some of the quotes from this podcast, which were also included in the description. I'm going to read all of them. I'll just read a few of them. Um, why should I care if you're gay? Sexuality is not a protected class. Another quote, alcohol and drugs do not discriminate. Uh, Another one, how many people lose their soul working in places they don't want to work? Races live in the same places because they share the same culture. Uh, As another quote, I'm not embarrassed about being black. I am biracial because I have two parents. Another quote, if there were no diversity recruiting, how many companies would hire diversity? And (laughs) then we find one more here. Uh, Pulling the race card instead of playing by the rules. Having an entitlement attitude. Those are different quotes from this podcast, which uh, is a very interesting one, to say the least. Find out what was said way back on uh, January 26, 2007, after this word from my sponsors. Do you love four-letter words? Who doesn't? And then you mix recruiting news and insights in with those four-letter words. I'm Cheese. And I'm Chad. And we are the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Tune in wherever you listen to podcasts. We We out. out. Employer brand professionals know that doing great work involves doing big, high-level strategic thinking and getting your hands dirty. That sounds like the kind of work you want to do. Come listen to the Talent Cast. It's the world's most highly caffeinated employer brand podcast. Hi, I'm Jim Stroud. Welcome to the Recruiter's Lounge. The Recruiter's Lounge is a podcast of news, interviews, and commentary on the recruiting industry. And it was designed with you in mind. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the Recruiter's Lounge. Today's podcast is sponsored by Barbara Ling's Rise Internet Recruiting 2.0 Training. Barbara Ling, the pioneer in online recruiting, has created a comprehensive and unique resource for mastering internet sourcing strategies quickly and easily. If you are a skilled and savvy researcher looking to upgrade your skills or a beginner who only uses email and a telephone, Barbara Ling's Rise Internet Recruiting 2.0 Training is for you. Learn the basics of recruitment blogging. Unlock the mystery of Boolean searches and discover deep web resources, virtual communities, and proven strategies for sourcing passive candidates and more. Take your recruiting to the next level now. Go to this web address and see it for yourself. www.jimstroud.com training. That's www.jimstroud.com. 
J-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D.com slash training. That's www.jimstroud.com slash training. That's www. Hello, welcome to another exciting episode of the Recruiter's Lounge. I'm your host, Jim Stroud, and with me in the recruiter chair next to me looking lovely, being wise, being wonderful, and everything that is Karen, Karen Madden. How are you, Karen? Hello, Tim. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How's your day? Uh, it's been quite interesting, actually. Very, really? very interesting. How so? Well, I've been following a recent post on a blog, and I've been kind of uh, having some very interesting, I'm using the word interesting a lot, conflicting mm, views on this position, on this post. Is it about Grey's Anatomy? Well, no, but I like Grey's Anatomy. What, what, did you see them about Grey's Anatomy? Go ahead. Tell me all about Grey's Anatomy. Well, I'm not a big fan of Grey's Anatomy because it's too chick flick for me, but I know you're a big fan. I love it. It's not just play. I mean, there may be some guys who like Grey's Anatomy. I'm I'm just not one of them. Okay. I'm more of a Jack Bauer. Okay. Fuck kind of guy. And it was was just on, so I guess you know we're recording it on a Monday night, but um, just saw Jack Bauer. I'm a huge fan. But anyway, um, I was flipping through – through the internet news sources that I frequent. Internet channel surfing. Okay, go ahead. And I saw that there was a uh, a big brouhaha over one of your guys from Grey's Anatomy, Isaiah Washington. Mm-hmm. He's one of the doctors there. Mm-hmm. He made some sort of. I, I don't know. I don't know the whole parameters of it, so forgive me if I'm quoting it wrong. But he made some kind of uh, slur towards one of his uh, coworkers. Mm-hmm. On the show, who was gay? Oh, that's right. I remember about this. So he made some kind of uh, sexual slur. Is that the right way to say it? I guess that would be. You know, the the, the I guess the homosexual equivalent of the N word. Okay. <laughs> whatever whatever that may may be, I can guess, but uh, uh-huh. I don't know what to say. So he got into a uh, big brouhaha trouble over that, and he got, I guess he got trouble on the job, and you know, rightfully so for throwing slurs about. And he's also uh, meeting with different gay activist groups to uh, look into his soul. <laughs> oh, yeah, they always seem to go into drug rehab or alcohol or some kind of rehab, don't they? Yeah, yeah, it's something. And I thought, hey, that is so weird because, you know, you look at the history of discrimination or slurs in the country, it's, it's usually been black-white kind of a thing. And, and, and now, like I guess in, in our time, it's, like race against sexuality. I mean, is that even? And I, at least that's what I was thinking. I said that's so weird. I never would have thought that would have been something to, I don't know, a big brouhaha or something would have came out because of that. I just, I just found it all kind of weird. And but also I, interesting. I think that's one of the only um, areas right now, nationwide, federally, that one can still discriminate against too. It was just so weird because how can legally. You, how can you actively discriminate against a gay person online unless because expressing their sexuality is something that is not necessarily known because people could be, you know, for lack of a better word, in the closet and you wouldn't necessarily know that they were gay or know their sexual orientation is not really the business of people who work there. I think so unless just someone, you know, is is, is uh, very overt in telling you, look, I'm gay, you should know it. Now, I mean... How can, as opposed to someone being um, uh, Indian or Iranian? I think you hit the nail on the head when you said about the sexuality. I mean, it's like regarding sexual harassment, you know. 
it's like, why would I know you're gay or should I know that you're gay? And if it's like so, it's so in my face that you are, then that means that you're trying to bring some of your sexuality to the work. I think that's the biggest part because it's not a protected class. Sexuality, well, that's personal. That's based upon what you do in the room, in your bedroom, but it should not be brought into the workplace is probably what they're thinking. So it goes back to my question in terms of, in ter- well, this is a recruiting, a recruiting show, in terms of recruiting, can you actively, because um, someone, say you're interviewing someone and you think they're gay or they're not, they're not gay, you don't know. But so you you hire them, I mean, so you don't hire them because they're not qualified based on their credentials. But they come back and say, "Well, you didn't hire me because I was gay," and you look at them like, "Dude, I had no idea." Exactly. But, but they throw they throw a big lawsuit at you saying you're discriminating against me because I'm gay. You didn't hire me. And I'm well, like, technically, I have no clue what, what you do. <laughs> After nine, I have no idea what you do. How can you even try to throw that suit at me? Can someone do that? Well, you know, first off, the guy could come back and try to, and I think in maybe one or two states there might be some issue, um, laws being passed or something. I'm not right. sure I haven't kept up on this one. But if he tries to sue, it's kind of almost like a test nookies. And I think it goes back to, you know, it's obvious you can see a black woman is black. You can always see that she's female. You can also see that she's over 40. It's obvious, right? Right. So, you know, those are issues that I can say blatantly. I don't want to. I can. I don't want a black person in my office. Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes with this article. In this mm-hmm. article that this person wrote, basically it was almost like a stereotyping because they were saying that pretty much, you know. They believed that uh, most companies will discriminate against black people. Now, they didn't use other races, okay, because mm-hmm. most people will, and her words were most, um, that because most people will perceive blacks as prostitutes or drug addicts or alcoholics. Well, well somebody wrote an article that said that people will see most blacks as alcoholics and, and prostitutes. Well, you see, and that was my concern, and that's why I was very upset with this article. I was like, there are... I do believe that there's classification. I think there, there are people who classify um, maybe some people as some races or diversity or minority candidate people as being that, okay? But like I said, okay, let's stick on the subject of maybe looking and focusing on racism in general mm-hmm. or let's look at profiling. But to say only most people will see only blacks, as race, as drug addicts, alcoholics, and you know prostitutes, that's pretty unfair because especially with alcohol or drugs, it shows no discrimination. That's one of the first. Well, that's really one of the main things I'm really, in this world that really does not discriminate about who it takes as victims. Right. I mean, it it doesn't care what race you are, how rich you are, how poor you are. There are rich white men who are alcoholics and drug addicts. Just as they're always there, poor black men. So then she also mentioned that people living in a particular neighborhood would be considered also that. Now, that one is a little touch and go because that's one of the reasons that's a protected class in a way. The EOC does protect individuals and Department of Labor is on the lowest part, mm-hmm. protect asking where you live. Well, not where you live, but do you own a house or do you not own a house, that kind of thing, right? Well, let me, let me piggyback on that for just a second. Now, you're saying that some, let me ask you this, can people, recruiters discriminate against people based on a zip code by um, not posting 
the jobs in certain areas or asking their, their sourcers not to source people out of certain geographic areas? Oh, for sure. There are companies who definitely would not recruit from a specific neighborhood. Do you think, people, do you think companies actively do that, though? I don't think a lot of companies do it. I think there are some companies who might. Um, no, I, I know of some companies that will do so, but I don't think it's a huge, big issue. If that were true, then I would say, well, where, how come black people are even working today? You know what I mean? You know, I mean, there's a lot of companies hiring minorities. So obviously if this was such a big, huge prevalence, and there is a prevalence, but is it such a huge problem as this person made out? One of the concerns I was also saying, you know, they were saying that they took a test, and the test was basically putting them in a low black percentile. Well, if somebody took a test and I took a test and somebody said that to me, I'd be reporting them to the AEL. Well, that they're going by the bail curve or something. I mean, well, that, that's reflective of a person of, of whoever wrote that. That's, that's a reflection of their personal opinion of those races more so than the outside world. Correct. Because like it's being filtered through that that writer's eyes. So I think that's more a reflection of how that particular writer sees. And it was a very big general. I think that that would have been better if the person, the writer, had made it more of their opinion than a huge big generalization. Because what I see sometimes, too, from this, because they came back with another post then later on, just saying that, you know, a person that they're in a situation where they're pretty much forced to live, but then they said how many people, black people, pretty much lose their soul because of working in places they don't want to work. And I'm thinking, well, you made a comment to me not too long ago that I liked. Mm. Do you remember what it was about us and choices? Um, not exactly, I think. Refresh my memory. You were pretty much, we were talking about people can choose to live as they want, but it, or they can make choices to do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, either you, I think it's on the lines of if you can't find a job, make one. Don't make excuses. Exactly. You know, yeah. we can teach a man to fish, or do you want to go ahead and give them the fish? Yeah, and I, I think, and I remember the conversation. We were talking about how some people um, stay in this victim role. You know, I, I can't achieve or I can't do this, that, and the other because, some outside forces is stopping me. The man, whoever the man is, is not letting me get ahead. And that whole mentality argument just really irks me because it's really no excuse, especially when you when you consider the kind of world we're in now where everything is, you know, technology-based and you have companies that are formed um, that are international overnight because they're working with people all over the world because the whole company is Internet-based. You know, and that's the thing is you made a good comment about that, too, when you said, you know, with the Internet, we can't see what race you are. We just see you as a person. Exactly. But then the question that I brought up to you was, what happens if they become, when we get, do they get face-to-face? Well, they get face-to-face, then Mm -hmm. you already have a relationship established. Or do you? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, there are a lot of people that I know online people, um, good people who listen to our show <laughs> and uh, send us comments and, and give us topic ideas, and I just appreciate everyone who does that. And uh, I may never meet them in person, but, you know, we'll talk, we'll send a message, um, we'll establish some kind of rapport uh, online, and then maybe or maybe not we'll meet in person. If we do meet in person, I'd like to think that because of the rapport we've established offline, that it will carry on, I mean, carry because of the report we established online, that it'll carry over to offline. Now I'm going to ask you a question. That's my assumption. I'm going to play. I'm going to ask you about something that we talked about. It's called the new segregation, the politics of difference. Right. Explain to people what we were talking about in regards to that. 
Um, well, sort of how the, the civil rights era, as great as it was in establishing legislation to prevent uh, discrimination and segregation, how we have, in a sense, um, given birth to reverse discrimination. How um, Segregation is what I look at it. Go with that. Um, yeah, exactly, because it's sort of reversed now. Because now you can have certain groups, uh, I won't say... Uh, Let's just okay. use groups, that'll be better. Well, you know, certain... Okay, let me go with this one. You have yeah, certain, I'm having a mind part here, but Yeah, and it's like you have certain communities that all choose to either live within that particular group. So we've chosen to segregate ourselves from instead of making it a melting pot. Oh, but you know, that's almost always has been the case. You know, races tend to live together because they share a culture. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily a bad thing to, okay. share, to be around with people who share a culture, but you should not be penalized for that. No, I don't think you should be penalized for that, but then what about the fact, though, that sometimes because you've been within that culture too much or only within that culture, you tend not to be able to be adaptive to other cultures? Well, I think that sort of flies against what... Uh, the whole American experiment is all about, the whole melting pot. You know, although you have diverse cultures and diverse backgrounds, there's still a rallying point for people to sort of bond together around. You know, everyone may have different backgrounds and so forth, but they're all American. I agree with that. I mean, the the problem is, and again, with the power of difference, you know, I was watching this show, you know, Meet Your New Mommy, Trading Spouses. Mm. And on there, there were these people who were saying black power, but I'm proud of being African-American, and I have my kids going only to African-American schools, and I have a, I have a feeling that... I heard that. I heard that episode. Now, see if I remember correctly. They, they, they were talking about how they were proud to be African-American, but they have never actually been to Africa. Absolutely. Okay. So are they really African-American? I know I make some, some people mad just by saying that, but it's more or less true. I mean, yeah, I mean, could you imagine now, because she says, I am living in an African-American community, my kids only have African-American culture, and then they will never go into the white economy, you know, and I'm thinking, my husband and I looked at each other and said, well, then go back to Africa, or go to Africa then. I mean, this is America, is it not? I'm going to get so slammed for this, I'm sure. But, I mean, seriously, we are living in America. Now, I consider, now let's look at this too. Mm. I consider myself biracial. Some people say, "Ooh, you hate your black, and you don't want to go ahead and say that you're bi-rate, that you're black because you must hate the black, or you're embarrassed about being black." And I say, "No, I'm biracial because I have two parents, and I respect and love both of them." Right. So why should you not um, honor both of their cultures? But yeah, but in America, though, it, you know, I'm pretty much if I were to check a box, I'm supposed to say I'm black. Right. Or people will look at you and say that. Exactly. So then, what which comes back to is, why can't I just be me? Yeah, that's I mean, why. That's, see, that's, that's good you said it because that's why when I tell people I'm really Chinese, they look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> but of course, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Well, you know, I mean, this is kind of interesting. And I, like, I why you can laugh at yourself that well? Okay. Somebody's looking at my picture, going like, "You don't look Chinese." <laughs> okay, Jim, you're killing yourself, aren't you? <laughs> Well, that joke was just for me. It wasn't making anybody else laugh, just me laugh. I know, but hey, hon, let's go back to this topic. All right. Because you and I have had some really interesting conversations about this, okay? Because mm-hmm. we're usually on the same page on a lot of this stuff, too. Right. And both the way I look at it is, 
Is it possible then, therefore, that we are creating our own problems with racism because we have this free perception of what we do and we keep trying to segregate ourselves? Hmm. I have an even better question around that. Mm-hmm. Just so, because so, you know, I'm always trying to bring it back to recruiting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is what is if that's the case? Is there really a justi- really a justification for diversity recruiting? See, then that's reverse discrimination. If that's all you're going to do, too. Well, someone could argue. Well, we need diversity recruiting because certain numbers are uh, not well represented in the Fortune 500, so to speak, or the big companies, whatever. So you need that uh, those kind of initiatives or quotas, for lack of a better word. Well, see, and these quotas, okay, so the quotas then allows the black person to get the job even though he's not as qualified as the white man. Well, again, this is the politics of that different, the politics of differences. Should not the black person get the job just based upon his experience? Well, let me ask you this. Do you feel that there is a need for diversity recruiting in this day and age? Of course there's a need. I do not want to see getting rid of EEO, but I do not think that the end of, but we, I think we should get rid of this black power stuff that we're trying to do and focus on if there's a need for diversity recruiting, let's focus on equality because that's what our Constitution is based upon. Hmm. Hmm. See, that's a slippery slope because I wouldn't – I would say this about it. I would say that there's a need for diversity recruiting because of the different – because of the power that comes from diversity. You know, you have – uh, a, a very diverse marketplace, so you should have workers that reflect your marketplace. Right. Yeah. Well, I do believe that. I believe that. I agree with you. If there were no more diversity recruiting, how many companies will actually not hire a diverse person? If there were no diversity recruiting, and there, that that was not, it was not in a diversity initiative within a company. It would be to that company's detriment. It different would be to their detriment. Bringing different mentalities, different ideas. Mm-hmm different way of pursuing things, and they'll be hurting their bottom line extremely. I mean, yeah, think about it. How many companies today are focusing on this young adult market, okay, but not focusing on the baby boomers? Or are they focused on the male market rather than the female? But I'm going to ask you a question, Mm. and I know you're the man guy, but if you were to buy this big, large product for your house, a a fridge, a TV, something like that, who is going to have the final decision, you or your wife? Um, Be honest. Since we're on the the air, I'll say me, but in privately, I'll say my wife. (laughs) Exactly. It's a known fact that wives have always got the final word. And then also the baby boomers is the largest population demographically in America. Which is kind of interesting to even say that much because when you look at all the TV shows and the commercials and even the music, it all appears to a younger audience. And my thinking is that, well, does that mean that they, they're spending the most money? They're bugging mom and dad for money all the time? There you go. All this stuff? I mean, obviously, because, I mean, right now we also know the boomerang generation especially, too. All these kids are going to school, and then they come home. They end up going back to home. It's not like the generation that you and I that we were in. Remember when we couldn't wait to get out of the house? Holy when we were out yeah. of school, we were gone, you know? Yeah. Yep. It was like, yeah, exactly. But these kids, my kids included, He's got to live here to go to school. I mean, sorry, if I was going to school, I was not living at home, okay? Mm. And then I know when he goes out, gets out, he's going to want to come home, stay at home, after, you know, because he's paying the bills, so stay home with mom until he gets ready to get married. Well, he, needs you, he needs you to do the laundry. Exactly. Well, yeah, okay, right. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, okay, what? Uh, is that the problem then? Have we baby boomers not uh, parented our kids and babied them enough? I mean, how much more babying do they need? Here we have 26-year-old kids coming back home because – 
why, you know, I mean, we're, we got the issue of are they really spending more money or are they spending their parents' money? Now, see, that goes into all these off-tangent conversations we have offline and bring them on the show. <laughs> but you talked about uh, also about the maturity of the of the um, the worker. Now, okay. You mentioned about how um, since we're so well, so technically connected with instant messenger, phone, and video, and internet, that kind of stuff, oh, yeah. are we able to interrelate to people? No, that's another that. interesting topic. What because said, I don't know, but. But oh, <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, remember that one show we were talking about? How it said they had a husband and a wife. Yeah. They were both sitting down there, and they were both instant messaging each other, even though they were sitting right next to each other. Absolutely, and Help they didn't know how, when. So when they what was it? Dateline. Yeah. Remember Dateline when they took away one of those kind of shows? Yeah. Remember when they took away the um, they took away the tail the cell phone for a day uh, for a week? And they were like freaking out. They couldn't make it. They didn't even know how to talk to each other. Let me ask you this, then. And again, trying to bring it back to recruiting, since this is a recruiting show. If we, if how should we, how should recruiters factor that in to their advertising? Well, let's go back to recruiting. Or into okay. their recruiting initiative. If well, let's go back to this. Okay, back to this. Go back to this. The racism and aspect. Okay, in regards yeah. to recruiting too. Just tie it all back in for the listener who's. Yes, it's going to all tie back in because on. we got to look at ourselves as people too. All right. Is it possible, therefore, that when you're in, you know, employers are looking, that this is part of recruiting, when employers are looking at a person who's speaking with Ubonics, Ubonics right, mm. and they are not even trying to assimilate within a company. And it maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's for a phone job. Maybe it's for a telephone service, customer service job, right? Mm. And this person's sitting down there looking at them, and they're dressed kind of, they didn't even take the time to wear the shirt and tie. What is going to go through that? Because that in prospective employer's mind. That he's not taking the opportunity seriously enough. And that you really probably won't assimilate or won't even attempt to assimilate, and you're not even willing to try. Why would I want to waste my time on you? Well, there comes my question then. Is it possible with the eubonics and et cetera, it also creates this type of situation where individuals feel we have the power because we're black and we don't have to try hard anymore to be able to get what we want because we should get it because we're black. Oh, so this sort of goes back to the what we said earlier in the show, where certain groups building a, uh, pulling the discrimination or, or the race card uh, rather than just playing by the rules, so to speak. Yeah, and then that's what so having like an, an entitlement attitude, which right. goes beyond just blacks. It could go with. I mean, think uh, about an employer. I mean, as an employer, too, would I not be thus therefore scared of hiring this in person because I know that if my employer just happened to look at them, they'd be thinking, oh, racism, that person doesn't like me because, he, because he's a racist. And well, he might have been thinking, looking at him and say, thinking, how should I say what a good job this person was doing? Well, for that matter, can, a, can an employer really hire anybody? What do you, you mean? answer that. Everyone comes from some somewhere. Everyone has a background, whether they're black, whether they're Asian, whether they're Hispanic, mm-hmm. whether they're you know um, Persian, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always a, a possibility of being sued because you didn't hire them, mm-hmm. or because you did not promote them, mm-hmm. or because you did not uh, include them in your recruiting uh, overall recruiting strategy, and found somebody found out about it and was able to raise a uh, legal stink over it. Mm-hmm. Um, is it, is after you're hearing all these different liabilities, like, well, can I even hire anyone? Should I even recruit anyone? Well, the thing the about liabilities that come from it. Well, you know, I mean, I really think I'm going to say this, and I love you, but I'm going to say that's a silly question. 
I'm sorry. I forgive me for saying that. The reason, and I've heard it so many times, oh, I've got to take risks. No, I've got to take risks, or I want to get sued anyways. No. Let me explain something. If you don't show a pattern of discrimination because you don't discriminate, guess what? They may come out and try to sue you, but they won't even win. They won't even get a lawsuit. When the EEOC does an investigation, a preliminary on you, you won't even need a defense lawyer because you didn't discriminate. You didn't show a pattern of discrimination. So if someone walks through the office, and my um, say I'm, a, I'm working for a search firm, mm-hmm. and they, even though it's not right, they say I don't want any any uh, polka dot people mm-hmm. working in my office. A polka dot person comes in, mm-hmm. so I automatically screen them out. Mm-hmm. But I haven't screened out any other polka dot people throughout the whole process of hiring for that position, mm-hmm. or even throughout the whole year. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that I just got away with it? Pretty much. I mean, they're gonna, that polka dot person's going to have to prove really hardcore that you discriminated against them. So the, proof, the burden of proof is on them. It's not both, on, no. The burden on the of company. proof is on both. The, okay. can, the candidate has to prove you discriminated, and it's usually easier for the candidate to prove it if you have a pattern of discrimination. Let's say, for example, you didn't have intent to discriminate against this black person that walked into your office or the polka dot person. But then, unfortunately, you really haven't been hiring a lot of uh, polka dot people. You just kind of like not been doing your best to do so. You haven't even attempted to try to hire polka dot people. You just keep using the referrals and references of all the people that are your employees, key friends and cousins and uncles and brothers and sisters. So your staff keeps being predominantly Caucasian mm. instead of polka dot. Mm. Well, then that person's going to have a lot more, you know, standing and grounds in a lawsuit. So who? So if I if I'm if I have a recruitment strategy, I have to get together, and I want to make sure all my piece, all my dots are, all my eyes are dotted and my T's are crossed. Is there like a select list from the EOC that says when you do your recruitment initiative, you got to make sure you hit black, you got to make sure you hit white, you got to make sure you hit Asian, make sure you hit Hispanics? Is there any? Is there like a, a magic list that says I have to make sure that my recruitment advertising, my job posting hits all of these specific groups? Pretty much. I mean, you got to remember. I mean, is, is, there, is there a magic list out there that says Well, there's not a magic list out there. It's just common sense. If I post uh, my, let's say I live in a white neighborhood, okay, and mm-hmm. I just post the job in the local newspaper that's in an all-white neighborhood, well, duh. What's going to be the candidates you're going to get? Or if you go on to Hispanic-only websites to gain candidates, well, duh. You know, I mean, it's kind of like what you want. Oh, by the way, for example, let's take an example here. If you say that the person must be young and energetic, well, that's a duh. Right. <laughs> you know, it's it kind of, discrimination. Exactly. I mean, it's like, or for example, American citizens need only apply. Ooh, that one's a good one. Who, Unless that's who, a, who put that out there? Well, you can get away with it if it's a government position or something okay. to do with top-level security, okay? Mm. But there's a lot of people who would say, I just want to hire American citizens or... The reverse discrimination. I only want to hire H-1B visas. Only. That's all I'm going to hire is H-1B visas. Expensive. I, well, exactly. But actually some people think it's cheaper to hire just the H-1B visa people, okay? They can give them lesser salary, et cetera. But the problem is if you only hire an H-1B visas, you're discriminating against an American person who can do the job. Oh, very interesting. So the well, so we have these issues of yes, I believe that we do need to have EEOC laws 
because of silly things that happen in the industry. But I also believe that we as minorities also need to look at ourselves and say, how do we continue to create inclusion rather than exclusion? A very good point, and one I'd like to maybe end this podcast on. Uh, as, as you know, we're experimenting with uh, different formats, actually trying to make uh, more of these episodes, but maybe make them a little bit, a little bit, uh, a little bit shorter than the normal. Shorter is that the right word? Mm-hmm. Shorter, yeah, shorter, yeah, shorter length. Yeah, shorter length. So uh, I think I'm in on this in, in this conversation, and it will pick up uh, other topics that, as we go on into the next podcast. Um, as always, it's a pleasure talking with you. Mm-hmm. You really think that's a pleasure? Okay, cause I love you. <laughs> <laughs> the controversial Karen. The controversial, the ethics queen, the controversial Karen. Oh gosh. You know what? Let me. I haven't done this in a while. If anyone else has a, a topic. For um, questions about what we talk about in this, in this podcast, feel free to drop me an email. I'm going to at Jim Stroud at G-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D. I've got an idea. Say what? i got an idea. If anybody idea. wants something to be a, a controversial topic that want, you need researched so we could talk about, how about that? Ah, that'll make it even more interesting. Uh-huh. See, we're here for you, good people, our subscribers, our listeners. We're, we're working for you. So whatever you want to talk about. Just send us an, just send an email and uh, we'll make it happen. So um, that's it on my end. Anything else, Karen? That's it, baby. Well, until next time, this is Jim Stroud and that's Karen Madden, and you're neither one of us. And thank you. <laughs> well, that's it for this show. You've been a wonderful audience. If you like what you heard, love what you heard, or <laughs> just plain hate what you just heard, uh, let me know. Your feedback matters. You can reach me through my website at jimstroud.com slash podcast. That's J-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D dot com slash podcast. So until next time, I'm Jim Stroud, and you're not. Radio, radio, radio talent. Innovative audio on demand. And so this ends this edition of the Retro Lounge, home of classic episodes of the Recruiter's Lounge podcast. If you haven't already, uh, subscribe now so you don't miss a future episode. Okay? Cool. Until next time, bye-bye. Bonjour. This is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor, and every week I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food. Whether they're here in France like me, or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food. So, come join me on Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app!